felt like what God was leading me to speak about was just my journey in the prophetic. And, and we had talked right at the end of last year just um, how important it is for us to share our testimony, right? Share what's going on in our lives and the power of that. And so uh, hopefully as I share, it encourages uh, those of you that have been hearing from the Lord to continue to press in. And those that are new, um, that you would um, just, there would be a new hunger inside of you. And so, so for those um, new to what the prophetic is, um, the, way, the way I understand the prophetic is um, an invitation to be able to be in constant dialogue with God. Yeah? And there are so many voices that, that we have in our head, um, so many voices um, and, it, and it's saying, I want to tune my ears and my heart, my mind to, to God. And, and so just going back in time when I grew up, I, I grew up in Mexico and I was blessed to be, you know, my dad and mom that are here. Um, they, they pastored a church uh, for about 40 some years and I just had so much um, investment into me, which is really neat. Um, we had people that would come in, and, and I was just exposed to, you know, the prophetic. Um, but growing up and kind of what I saw, it, it was more of a negative experience for me, that when I grew up, I, I didn't want to have anything to do with, you know, spirit-filled churches. <laughs> it just seemed kind of like out there, and, you know, I saw, saw just some things that I just didn't understand. And um, but then over the course of the, the last 10, well, 11 years that, that uh, my wife Jean and I had been married, we, we ended up just having a greater desire for just God's spirit. We had good teaching and, and it was, we were really blessed with that, but we felt there was more. We, we wanted something else. And when we came to Morningstar, so we, we moved here to Wilmington and we visited several churches. And when we came to Morningstar, well, first of all, we got here to the building, and it was, it was, right now it looks nice. You guys should have seen it a few years back, and we're like, wow, and, you know, we have young children, and we're like, where, where are we going? Uh, and, you know, the neighborhood, everything, but we're like, all right, well, actually, the first time we drove away, and we went to another church, <laughs> and this is what's so cool about God and his calling. Um, the church we went to all of a sudden put up an overhead and said, let's pray for Morningstar Fellowship. And we're like, wow, that's, that's interesting. I was like, all right. So two weeks later, um, we decided to actually walk in and see, see, you know, see what was going on in here. Um, and, it, and we were really blessed. Um, that, that first Sunday, um, Travis and, and Haley um, gave Gina and me um, a word and it's really, really encouraging. We were like, wow, you know, I hadn't, as an adult, actually received um, just a, a word of encouragement, you know, and, and just, you know, again, prophecy can, can be, you know, just, there, there's a lot of weird things, and I, probably everybody has been exposed to one way or another, but it, it isn't something weird when you actually realize what it is. Um, it's, it's meant to be able to hear from God, and then when we, you know, prophesy according to 1 Corinthians 14.3, it says it's for upbuilding, it's for encouragement, it's for consolation, so it's to bring you hope. And, and if you've ever got any word that didn't do that, you know, the, the common phrase is just flush it, you know, just get rid of it, because God, God wants to encourage us, God wants to give us life, you know, he wants to fill us with his love. 
And so, um, yeah, coming here, that, that was really encouraging. We're like, wow, you know, that, that, was, that was really interesting. I was like, well, let, let's go back next Sunday again. And I remember Paul sharing about how Jesus was, um, you know, in the Last Supper, and he said that someone was going to, um, someone was going to, you know, tr- um, betray him. Thank you. <laughs> my dad's helping me with my English. Uh, <laughs> someone was going to betray him. And so all the disciples are talking among themselves. And then they're like, John, ask, ask Jesus, right? Because Jesus was laying against John, right? And, and he was so close to him. And, and there was that just invitation that, that Paul made of being so close to Jesus that we could hear his heart. And, and I was just like, wow, you know, this is really, really cool. And it just was a catalyst, um, you know, just what Travis shared, what Paul and Joshua, of just saying, I want that. I want to be able to hear from God. I want to be so close to God where I can hear his heart. And, and so it, it began a process of, of, you know, just several years and, you know, COVID hit and, um, you know, there was things happening, this transition in the church. The church was shut down for some time, um, like many churches. Um, but I would say for the last two and a half years, God's brought me on this journey of just desiring something deeper. And something happened. Um, so God, God speaks to us in different ways. And, and so that's one of the things that God's so creative, just like snowflakes are. There's not one that's the same. God speak to us, speaks to us in a way that, that we understand. And so... One of the ways that, that um, I've just found that God speaks to me is I, you know, early in the morning or whatever, I look at the clock and I see the time. And so I'll look up a Bible verse related to it. And so many times it's just like right on accurate. It's like, wow, this is really, really cool. And one of them has been just 222, two, two, which I, I've, I've shared that before, and then 333. Three, three. And for 222, two, two, it's um, from Daniel when he's with uh, King Nebuchadnezzar and he's talking about how God reveals. So he says, he, he reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in darkness and light dwells with him. And so I've used that as a prayer along with Jeremiah 33.3. And that says, call on me and I will answer you and reveal great and hidden things you do not know. So they're kind of like parallel verses. One is great and hidden things, others deep and hidden things. So I've used that to just say, Lord, I'm gonna, I want to call on you. I want you to reveal new things about you. And so we had something really interesting that happened. Um, one night, Gina woke up, and it was 2.22 a.m. She woke up, saw her time, then went back to sleep. And she told me about it. I was like, oh, well, you know, God's probably wanting to speak something to you. And then later in that day, I, you know, I forgot you know, what, what day, you know, during the week it was, but we both ended up taking a nap, and I set my alarm because I just wanted to just a quick recharge nap, and I woke up before my alarm went off, and it was 2.22 p.m., and so I asked the Lord, I was like, Lord, that, that, was, that was interesting, and what I felt God speaking to me was kind of a story of what happened in our life and what happens in many people's lives, and that's, we come to know Jesus the first time, and it's this awakening. But then it's kind of like we put on our lifesaver, and we're like, okay, I'm saved now. And then we go about our life, and we go back to sleep. Yeah? And what I feel that happened with that second 222 was there was this 
I woke up and I stayed awake. And it was just so cool that that kind of realization of, you know, there when we come to know Jesus, it's just the beginning of an amazing and exciting journey that there is nothing that can compare to it. And I can tell you, these last especially two and a half years have been the most amazing years for for my wife, Gina, and for me of just discovering more of the Lord and and. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing of, of being able to hear from God, creator of heaven and earth, and to have that invitation, and that there's no limits. Nobody's going to limit you to say, oh, well, you can only get to this place of hearing God. It's, it's you know, um, we've been reading through the Bible chronologically, and we've just been really touched um, by the part where um, God speaks several times, and he says that he speaks face-to-face with Moses like a friend. And he said, even at one point, he says he didn't speak in riddles, right? But he spoke face to face. So sometimes God does speak in riddles because he wants us to press in. You know what? I love what, what um, Travis and Paul share is that God doesn't hide things from us, but he hides them for us. He wants us to press in, to discover him, to know him more. And so it's, it's one of the things we've just been praying is like, God, we want to know you face to face. We want to know you as a friend. And, and the purpose of, of that is, and, and actually, maybe just taking a step back, I think um, a common lie uh, that the enemy says is, we, we can't hear the Lord. It's like, I can't hear the Lord. Um, maybe those people that are very prophetic or whatever, um, but everybody can hear the Lord that knows Jesus. And, and John 10.4 says that his sheep hear his voice and they know it. Yeah, so we, we can know the voice. The difference um, between being able to hear it and recognize it is practice. You know, so many times we don't practice and we're so distracted by so many things that, that we don't hear that, that voice of the Lord. And so um, I want to kind of stick to the, the 10 minutes that I have. But one of the things that I just want to encourage everyone is um, God has his riches and glory, like there is so much more that we can encounter. And also God uses um, just whatever area of brokenness, you know, he, he's the one that redeems. And um, I'll just share this other little story quickly. But um, one of the ways that, that God has started to speak to me is I, I love sports. And since I was young, I thought I was going to be a soccer player, you know, growing up in Mexico, you know, soccer is really big. And and I just had injury after injury, and still right now as an adult, I you know, played tennis. I played tennis with Joshua, and I was like, my shoulder was aching, my knee was aching. Uh, and and it's, it's been frustrating, but what's neat is as I've been pressing into the Lord, one of the neat things that, that he's been speaking to me is through pain. I'll all of a sudden just feel like a pain, and and. You know, I, I shared a testimony some, you know, some months back about just a, a pain in my head that I all of a sudden got, and I, I was able to then share with a colleague that was overseas, um, and it was accurate. It was really neat. Other times, you know, I've had a pain in my knee, and it was, you know, God then put in my heart to pray for somebody specifically, specifically, or it was sometimes, you know, just for a lot of people that were dealing with that. And so it's, it's so neat that God does not waste anything. And so anything that you feel that has been a hindrance in your life or that you've been disappointed with or frustrated with, um, I just encourage you to give it to the Lord because he 
will redeem it. He'll use it for amazing purposes. And, and so if, if I may, I'll just, I'd like to just pray for everyone. Um, a, few, a few weeks ago, it was talking about um, 222, right? It was 2222, right? February 2nd, 22. And I woke up in that morning um, just really praying about this and praying as, as you know, the, the team has really encouraged us to really pray for our church. And I was praying that, that God would release a double portion of knowing him, right? Because if we, if we hear from him and we say things, that, that, that's great. Um, and the prophetic is, is really neat. But the prophetic is only an expression of our encounter with God. And so if, if we, if we want to grow in hearing from God, we need to come and spend time with God. Because if not, you're not anchored, right? And there's a verse that says um, that, you know, people came to Jesus, you know, in the end time, and, and he said, we prophesied in your name. And, and he says, I didn't know you, you know, depart from me. And so when we come to know Jesus, it's just the beginning, but we need to press in to know him because it is amazing. There's nothing more, more incredible. And she, sorry, I'm going to share one more verse. Um, this is from uh, 2 Corinthians 4.6. It says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. The glory of God in the face of Jesus. And it talks about shining, light shining. So if there's any area of darkness in you, you know, give it over to the Lord. He will replace it with his light. And when we encounter the face of Jesus, I'll tell you, whatever you enjoy in life, there's nothing, I mean, even one moment, like one minute in God's presence, there's nothing that can compare to it. And so if you've not experienced that, pray and ask. You know, there's uh, Matthew 7, 7 says, ask, seek, and knock, and he'll give it to us. And so I'll just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for the privilege and the invitation to be able to know you, to be able to experience you. Lord, to be able to hear your voice. And I just pray for my brothers and sisters that are here. I pray that, Lord, you would awaken something new, that those that already have something awakened, that we would, as, as Travis says, we would be in hot pursuit, that there would be nothing that we would be longing for. Lord God, that, that we would make a shift from what's in our mind to ask what's on your mind. Lord, because we want to be about an eternal kingdom. Whatever we do every day, we want it to last forever. And we just thank you, Lord. Bless each person here. Lord, I pray for just a double portion of your anointing, of just a, a focus to be able to realize all that you have for them. Lord, to be able to recognize distractions from the enemy. And we thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. That was great, Joel. Great word. I believe he's going to be one of the premier teachers in the body. He's really got an anointing and a gift on him for that. The Lord showed that to me, I think, the first time I met him uh, and has numerous times since. All right. How's everybody doing? 
Hey guys, uh, this morning I really feel, this is a word that I have today that I think is really going to help us. Uh, it's helping me a lot. And so I want us to listen to me today. <laughs> because I think there's something that's really going to help us. I really do. This is a word for everybody. And I think this is a game changer. Okay? Now... Now that I've hyped it up a little bit, Lord help. <laughs> this has helped me so much. And I have realized it in the depth of what this word has done to my heart that has been increasing for years, but certainly over the last year has really gone deep. So I want to talk to you. Uh, this is my Valentine's Day message. It was just a maybe a God happening because I didn't plan it that way. It just the way it worked out. But I want to talk to us about the confidence that we're called to walk in through knowing God's love. Okay? This is, to me, probably one of the most important messages that I've ever, maybe uh, that I've ever really had at work in me. And all of us are called to walk in this. Now, Conf- what, wouldn't it be amazing if as individuals we could go anywhere? What if we could sit beside the most famous people in the world and be totally at peace and comfortable and no striving or anxiety or trying to impress anybody or please anybody? Wouldn't that be amazing? All right, I would like to be there to where no matter who's in the room, it doesn't affect me for good or for bad. Okay? I want to be there. I'm not there, but I'm getting there, and now I understand how to get there, and that's what I want to talk to you today. How do we get there? People that know they're loved are the most confident people in the earth. You look at kids that grow up being loved by their parents, and you see a different outcome than kids that don't, that aren't, don't receive that kind of love. It's just a fact. There's a need inside every single one of us to be loved. It's a need. Just like we need food and we need oxygen and we need water, we were created to need love. You need it. And you will go and I will go to any depth to get that need satisfied. You're going to get it from somewhere. You're going to try to get it from somewhere. There is something that's broken inside of every man and every woman. And in our brokenness and in our attempt to be validated and to know, to feel good about who we are, we will go to great depths to somehow accomplish this in our heart. Unfortunately, we've done it the wrong way in many cases, and it has produced death rather than life. And, you know, the scripture says to the, to the starving or to the hungry, even the bitter tastes sweet. I've known some people so desperate for love that they would go hang out with the most wretched. I, there was, a, there was some, uh, someone I knew, I've, I've known numerous people like this, but where they were so desperate for love, they would take up with anybody. Even people that were, would abuse them. Be you know talk junk about them verbal you know verbal abuse physical abuse, but at least they had somebody 
You know what I mean? To the starving, even the bitter tastes sweet. And there is something that's inside of us that we will even, we'll even drink bitterness rather than not having anything. And the Lord wants to fix this. Now, y'all turn over with me to 1 John. It's 11.48, so I got time. <laughs> and I'm going to use it. Y'all know me. I'm particularly not very long-winded, typically. Okay. <laughs> Just want to make sure you were awake. Um, all right, First John 4.16. This is an amazing scripture. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. I love this. Listen to this again. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. You know, you can, there's a theology of love that we all have. How many people would stand up and say and give testimony that God doesn't love them in this room? If you're coming to church, there's a theological understanding for most that God loves them. But how many people actually believe that? If you believe it, it's a game changer. It's when you, it's when you have a, a mental thought process, things that you agree with mentally on the surface, but deep down in your heart, you don't believe it. It doesn't help you. Knowing God's love for us will not help us if we don't believe it. It won't. Now, interesting, this word know right here is the Greek, it's in the Strong's, it's the Greek, Strong's number 1097. And for those who are familiar with the Strong's Concordance, it gives us the understanding of Hebrew and Greek words, New Testament being written in Greek, Greek 1097. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but it's a word that means to know something experientially, basically. If you do an Englishman search of this Greek word 1097, what that is is that it, you can go with an Englishman search, you can pull up every Bible verse in the Bible that has this exact Greek word in it and then find the context of what that word is being used. And every time in the Bible that is relating sexual relationship, this is the word. It says, Mary said, I never knew a man. When she asked the angel, how can this be? Because I never knew a man. It is, it is a, you know, you can... Theoretically, I'm sorry, guys. This is I got to go here. I'm sorry, but I, this is the example of the scriptures, and I, I got to go with it. So we're adults, right? You can know theologically, <laughs> you can know uh, uh, in your understanding about sex and what it is, but if you've never experienced it, you don't know it. Okay, I'm sorry. I had to go there. You know about something, but you've never experienced it. Mary was saying to the angel, I, have ne I don't experientially know what this is, so how can this be? 
The reason I'm bringing that up is because I want to drive home what this word is because this word is so important. This word literally means no, but it means no not like we know things in our head, but like we know things because we've experienced it. And there is a huge difference. You can know God loves you, but if you have an encounter with Jesus where the love of God is just pounded into you and you feel the love of God, there is something that transforms on the inside of you. You know what I'm saying? It's different. Now I know the love of God. I've just had an experience with it. Big difference. We need experiences like this. Paul talks about this. John talks about this. Right in this verse, it says, we have come to experientially know and have believed the love which God has for us. We have to both experience and then we have to believe it. You won't believe it if you don't experientially know it. If you haven't experienced God's love in a way that transforms you, you will not believe it even if you say you do. And it won't change your life. But when you experience God's love, it's going to change you. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God. Isn't that interesting? If you want to stay in God, how do you do it? You stay in love. You stay in his love. That's why I love John the Apostle. All his, the gospel, and then the, 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 the first, second, John, third John, there's this concept of love that he understands. And interesting enough, in his gospel, he says, he kept, this is John's gospel, right? The gospel of John. He says, what does he say? What does he say about himself? The disciple whom Jesus loved. And it wasn't that Jesus loved John more than the rest of them, was it? It's that he had a revelation that he was loved by Jesus and he could no longer think of anything else. I mean, I am the disciple. He couldn't even say his name. I am the disciple that Jesus loved. He wrote the, own, his, the book, so he's the one saying this about himself because that was his revelation, and that needs to be our revelation. I, not him, not her, me. I am the disciple that Jesus loves. Until we can see that, the way God wants us to see that, we're not going to be transformed the way he wants us to be transformed. Now, interesting, um, next verse, 417, by this love, or by this, sorry, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. I just want to say to you, and this is, this is the Travis translation, the TT translation, uh, of the Bible. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence. I just want to stop right there because I believe that though the rest of that passage is true and that is what he was saying, I do believe with all my heart that it is by love, by love being perfected inside our heart that we are actually growing confidence in all things. That's the kind of love that Jesus had. And we have to allow this to be perfected in us. Not knowing God's love personally and having it perfected in us is probably the majority of, all the, of the, most of the issues in the earth. 
and certainly most uh, human relationship issues. The majority of all human relationships would be solved if people began to really have an in-depth understanding of God's love for them. Because when you know who, how God feels about you, you're less concerned about what someone else thinks about you, right? Now, how many people have ever made the mistake of going to a grocery store hungry? <laughs> Man, I tend to do that, and that is such a mistake. I'll go to Sam's of all places. That is a big mistake. When you go in there hungry and you're looking around, you end up coming out with like $200 extra of what you weren't even planning on spending. You know, you're going there for a 150 buck grocery run and you come out $450 later and you're like, what just happened? (laughs) But you know, the same is true when we're hungry for love and we start getting around situations, we start... Uh, allowing things into our buggy, if you will, that otherwise wouldn't have been there. A lot of times with this, we allow things into our life, into our buggy, that we wouldn't have allowed if we had been full when we entered in. We got to be full. And so not being full creates a lot of problems. Now, turn over with me to Ephesians 3, this scripture has been going off in me for a year or more, and even as I get away, with, get away from it a little bit, I keep coming back to it. I'm just overwhelmed at this scripture. You know how the scripture is. You can read it a thousand times, but when the Lord starts breathing on it, it's just like, wow, you know, it's, there's new life in it. But starting in verse 16, I'm going to read through verse 19. This is Paul's prayer that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Man, I want to be strengthened with power in my inner man. I want that. Lord, do that. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. You ever notice that being grounded in love allows you to see the depth? You want to see the depth of God? you got to be grounded in love. And to know, this is the verse that's just, just, I can't get away from. To know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now I want to back up again. That word know there, once again, same Greek word, Greek 1097, same Greek word that Mary said, I never knew a man. It says, and to know. So this is how it would read. This is how I'm going to read it the way it kind of would read in the Greek or or give the Travis uh, exhaustive translation. (laughs) And to experientially know the love of Christ, which surpasses mere head knowledge that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. Did y'all get the, the last half of that? That you may be filled up to how much of God? The fullness. Not like halfway. 
not three quarters even, all the way. You want to be full of God? You need to know how much he loves you. When you get the revelation that Jesus loves you, something begins to change. You become a different person. You know, when Adam fell and he ate the fruit, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the immediate fruit of that was fear, but the fear was the result of seeing his own nakedness. He was naked in the garden and he felt shame and all of a sudden he hid himself from the presence of the Lord and he tried to cover himself with fig leaves. We as humanity are constantly running around with fig leaves trying to cover what we perceive to be our nakedness or our weakness. We don't want people seeing the worst about us. We don't want people to see the hidden things that, you know what I mean? Always put your best foot forward. You always like to show your best face, you know. Don't, don't stone me women, but you always like to, for people to see you with makeup on. I know, don't stone me. As Robin would say, don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. <laughs> um, there's nothing wrong with makeup. Thank God for makeup. I'm not dogging makeup, okay? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> hey, remember, love, guys, love. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, sorry, I just, <laughs> just totally derailed myself. What was I talking about? Uh, yeah, thank you. There we go. We always want people to see our best, the best side of us, but we don't want to show the, you know, we, we like to show the good, but the bad and the ugly we like to keep hidden. But you know, Adam and Eve actually had to come forward, and when they came into the presence of God and God began to deal with this situation, one of the things that's hidden in that passage is that God made, a, made skin coverings for them couple things from that. One is there was a sacrifice. Something had to die in order for them to be covered. But the other thing is that they had to get naked to change clothes. They had to be real. And that's the amazing thing with God is that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. When we begin to grow up in the Lord, there is a freedom that comes from learning how to allow yourself to be loved and to come out and be vulnerable to allow people to see the good, bad, and the ugly. You can't do that without getting that love inside of you. You got to know he loves you and he's not going to reject you. And, that, you know, and that's like with people. That's why the scripture says, Confess your sin one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Do you realize that our hiding from one another is one of the things that keeps us from walking and healing? It's the coming out and being exposed and being vulnerable. Our weakness, we're, that we're not afraid anymore, to, that we're going to be rejected or thrown away because we're not perfect yet. Because we may have some things that don't look so good, don't smell so good. But can we allow God to love us through it?
You need, you need to encounter his love. It's what changes us. To experientially know the love of Christ, which surpasses mere head knowledge, that we might be filled up to the very fullness of God. We got to believe that. Now, I want to look at some things here. Um, we have to be able to deal with some things and have the Lord go in and really do surgery on our heart. We have to have encounters with God's love in order to see some things. But um, All right, so... Galatians 1.10... For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still striving or still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. We cannot serve God and serve the opinions of men. He can't. One of the biggest bondages that we live in is in this place where we are not full of his, how he feels about us, and so we need validation from each other. And that's a trap. Scripture says, that, I think it's Proverbs, it says, the fear of man brings a snare. The biggest trap or enslavement, one of the biggest in our lives, are, is the way that we allow the faults and opinions of others to shape who we, how we live, what we even think about ourselves, But when we are full of how he feels about us, then we don't need. Like if I'm full, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going into Sam's and I'm not hungry. I'm not tempted as badly by that jar of m and <laughs> I'm more likely to pass over the M&M aisle. <laughs> But when I go in empty, man, I need something. Something's got to get filled in here. And so I'll grab anything I can that I think might fill that hole. And that's what happens when we're looking for validation in people. I wrote this down. I'll just read it. When we filter life through the need to be loved or validated, we will stay in a place of, and I mentioned a couple of things that I've noticed just in my own life, and, but the first one I wrote down was suspension. You know what suspended means? If you're a musician, uh, I know Greg and Vic and Josh and Paul and some of you, Ray Lee and a lot of you guys, when you have a suspended chord, it's like uh, you have an A chord and then you go to A suspended. It puts a little th- sound on it where it's ju- you're, ke- you're waiting for it to go back to a resolution. Thank you. And so when we live this way, looking for validation in other people, we live suspended. There's no resolution. We're constantly in search and we're ne- it's like the itch that never gets satisfied because only one thing can satisfy it. We got a hole in our heart that was only made for the God, for the love of our creator. And as long as we don't allow, see that, believe it, allow it to work in our life, encounter it, 
and we're constantly in suspension, looking for something that we never get. And though we try, and it may keep us busy enough for a while, eventually we get to the place where we realize that nothing else satisfies. Unfortunately, some people figure that out too late. Other place that, you know, when we filter life through the need of, to be loved or validated, we will be in a place of misunderstanding. One of the things that the lack of love does is it causes us to want people to understand us. Jesus made himself of no reputation. He constantly said things that he knew people were not going to understand. He said things offensive to drive people away. When they came to make him king, he, said, he decided to talk about, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. He knew it was going to offend the crowd, this crowd that just wanted to come and make him king by force because of a miracle he did. And then he says something that he knew was going to purposely offend their mind to reveal their heart that would turn them away from him, even to the point that he had to ask the 12, do you want to leave me? The reason he could do that was because he was full of the love of the Father. He didn't need man's opinion of himself. He made himself of no reputation. He could give, and then you could throw in what you want to. Uh, He didn't care. He did not care. He didn't need it. Turn with me to, um, oh, let me get to the other one too. Let me, let me finish up here, sorry. Misunderstanding often come in in our dialogue and our relationships with one another when we are often trying to, when we're talking to someone and someone says something and we filter it through this thing of not being loved. And so we, obvi- we interpret what they're saying through this filter that I, that, that's not full of God's love. See, we have filters. Do you know that? We all have filters. We filter things through our experience. We filter it through our pain. We filter it through all kinds of things. And when we talk to one another and people say things, and sometimes we think they're saying one thing because we're filtering it through our own rejection because we're not full of the love of God. But there's a place that I'm promising you that we can get to to where we don't do that because even if you're misunderstanding me and you don't really know who I am and you think one thing about me, I don't need your validation. I don't need it. So I don't get mad at you when I think you're saying one thing even if you're not really saying that. You see what I'm saying? Because when this, these, these little arguments and these little things that we're going through and we think somebody's saying something negative about us but they, 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 may, they probably aren't, But it doesn't really matter either way because we don't care. Not because we don't care about the person, but because we don't need their validation to be validated. Y'all hear me? And this is where I want to live. I'm not claiming to have moved in yet, but I've eyed out the street and I want to buy right here on this street. God's validation. I want to live there. That's where I want to live. Misunderstanding, which leads to conflict. Most conflict is the result of us not knowing how God feels about us. We would avoid so much conflict if we just learned to just be so full of the love of God that we don't care about when people say evil things about us. Don't even care. I don't feel bad. I don't hate you if you say something negative to me. It doesn't affect me one way or the other, right? 
because I'm full. Now, if I wasn't full, oh man, it would affect me a lot. Because we all need love. It's just where are you getting it from? I don't have to get it from you if I'm getting it from somewhere else. All right, y'all turn with me over to John 2. I love this because this gives an insight into who Jesus was. And then I want to talk about why Jesus was this way. And then I want to say something else about Jesus, and then we'll get to something else. Just want you to know where I'm going. All right, so verse tw- John chapter 2, in verse 23, it says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name, observing his signs which he was doing. Okay, so Jesus is healing people. He's doing what he does. He's being the son of God. He's revealing the father. He's doing miracles, signs, wonders, prophesying, preaching the gospel to the poor. And people are believing in him. Can you imagine the crowds of the people that come to him? And they're all praising him. Oh, look at this man. He surely is the prophet. And there's all this praise and praise and praise. He's this, he's that, he's praise, praise, praise. And let's look at the next verse. But Jesus on his part was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew all men, and because he did not need anyone to testify concerning man. He didn't need the testimony of other people, for he himself knew what was in man. He knew how broken man was. He didn't need broken man's opinion of him. Why is that? All right, turn over to Luke. So we drive this point home again. Jesus was receiving praise, but yet he didn't receive it. And I want to tell you, it's not good to receive praise from men. It's okay for men to praise you, Okay? There's nothing wrong with men to praise you. We need to give honor to whom honor to do. But when I allow myself to feed on it, that's illegal. Do not feed on the praises of others. Oh, man, that was a great worship today. You were killing it, bro. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. But my, heart, my heart's guarded. I'm not allowing praise to men. Because you know what happens? When you start allowing that to feed you, When it's not coming anymore, you go hungry, and then you start needing something. If you will receive the praise of men, if you feed off that and that gives you life, then you'll die when you get criticism and rejection. If I need praise from men, then I will wither up and die when when the criticism and rejection comes. And if you're following God, you're going to have criticism and rejection. You cannot follow Jesus. What does the scripture say? If any man wants to live godly in Christ Jesus, he shall be persecuted. You won't handle that well if you're still living from the opinions and the praises of people. Jesus didn't need their praise, and he didn't care about their criticism. He wasn't swayed one way or the other. He was walking in something. He was walking in something. He had the Ric Flair strut going on because he knew. He said, "Woo!" <laughs> Y'all probably don't know who Ric Flair is. How many do know who Ric Flair is? Okay. <laughs> he was a professional wrestler that just, he, he, never mind. 
<laughs> Sorry. Um, if you grew up in the 80s, you can appreciate, 80s and 90s, you can appreciate what I just said. But the rest of you, I'm sorry. Um, he was walking in the clothing of God's love, and he didn't need it from other people. Now, let's turn over to Luke 3, 21 and 22. So John is baptizing, and Jesus comes to be baptized, and he says, Now, when all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized And while he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in a bodily form like a dove, and a voice came out of heaven, you are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. Before Jesus had done any miracle publicly, before he had done any ministry, before he had done anything at least written in the scriptures he gets this validation from God that wasn't based upon anything he had done, but was because this was his beloved son, and he was well-pleased. I love my children. They don't have to do anything to earn my love. They have my love. They have my life. They're everything because they're mine. This was the son of God, and God comes with a voice out of heaven and says, this is my beloved son. In him I am well pleased. The father poured out his validation on the son. I love that. Before he did anything, he had to start his ministry under the validation of the father. Otherwise, he would have done things in order to receive validation, and that would have been sin. And he had to be tempted in that way. As we we know... As soon as Jesus was baptized, after he came up out of the baptism, you can find it in verse 4, or chapter 4, I'm sorry, of Luke. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they had ended, he became hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Now listen, we know the life of Jesus. Did he not multiply fish and bread? He did a miracle with food to feed people. Is it sin then to turn stone into bread just to feed him? Would that be sin in of itself? No, he already did stuff like that throughout the scriptures. But why was this sin? Why he was doing it? Yeah. If you are the Son of God, turn this stone into bread. God had already said to him, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And here Satan says, if you really are the Son of God, do this. In a charismatic church, this is very important that we get this. Everybody needs to get this. But in a charismatic church, there is such a temptation to allow the gifts of the Spirit that we desperately need in our lives and in our body to somehow validate who we are so that we're doing things in the gifts of the Spirit in order to reprove that we really are somebody in God. That's sin and it's illegal. Jesus had to be tempted in this way and come out spotless because he refused to prove who he was. He didn't have to. The Father did already said it. Isn't that wonderful? 
Wouldn't it be great if we could have the Father's love so full that we only minister in the gifts of the Spirit for loving our brothers and sisters and wanting those gifts to bless people? I'm not doing it for a notch on my belt. I'm not doing it so people think anything of me because I don't really care what you think of me. I'm only doing it to help you. You don't start out there, and I'm not trying to tell anybody you shouldn't walk in the gifts of the Spirit if you don't have all this down because the Lord set his disciples free to do this before they even knew how to pray. But there is something that we have to grow into that we, in our maturing, that when we're ministering in the Spirit, when we're ministering in prophecy and in healing, we're not doing it to validate who we are because I can promise you if that is not fixed inside of who you are, the gifts of the Spirit will end up bankrupting you and killing you. I promise you, I have seen it over and over again. If you feed on that thing that needs validation from people, the gifts of God will kill you. Long term. Not short term, long term. God gives time for children to grow up. But long term, that will kill you if that's how you get your validation. I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. is kind of vulnerable for me. Y'all got a few minutes? I, uh, all my life, all my adult life, I have longed for the prophetic. I want to walk in the prophetic. I love it. I really do. I don't think there's anything in the kingdom that I love more than walking in high-level prophetic revelation, and I've cried out for it all my life. But there was one thing that I don't know why, just the grace of God that I, I got this at an early age. I somehow recognized by the grace of God that that could kill me if I didn't have character to handle it. And so all my adult life, I have prayed, God, never release me in more power than my character can handle. Don't release a, I want the gifting and I'm going after you until I get it. But Lord, I'm asking that you prepare me and prepare my heart that I am, that I don't allow it to kill me. Give me character and humility. Help me walk in that so that I don't allow those gifts to, to eat me up. And just recently, within the last year, I was going to a, a conference and uh, last May, actually, and there, there was a, there's somebody that's walking in higher prophetic revelation than I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it's just remarkable, and it's the kind of revelation I've been seeking since I was probably 22 years old. And I'm not talking about, like, gingerly seeking it. I'm talking about pursuing it hardcore, talking to the Lord about it every day. And I began to feel really like I got the shaft. Like, Lord, here's this young kid walking in this gift that I've been seeking all my life. And I don't want him to stop walking it. Lord, I ask that you give him more, but where's mine? I mean, come on. I felt shafted a little bit. And I've been dealing with the Lord. It was like, I, I love to see this person minister because it stirs my heart for more. But at the same time, I always leave depressed too. You know what I mean? Because it's like, man, God, what's the deal? You're not a respecter of persons. What's going on? Why are you, why after all these years? I mean, I got, Lord, over 25 years, 26 years of seeking you for this. Why am I still not, why am I not walking in that? Well, the Lord started dealing with me. 
He started saying, I remember I was coming home one night, I was watering my, my mother-in-law gifted us with some palm trees, and you have to water them the first month, like every day for a long time. So it was like late, I was out at night just watering, and I had somebody had just sent me a, a YouTube of this guy ministering, he was calling somebody out and telling them what the two dreams that they had the night before and what they meant, and, and then he tells the guy, where he's from in Africa, which no, nobody in the world could have gotten this. And then he told him his father's name and what was going on. I mean, it was just like, it was high level stuff that only God could release. It was incredible. And I'm feeling shafted and defeated and depressed. And, and I'm talking to the Lord about it. And, and he says something to me just out of the blue. He's like, do you really think I've shafted you? Do you really think that I've passed you over? And I was you know, careful. God never asked a question that he needs the answer to. He's trying to find out. He's wanting to, us to think through this because there's something we don't see. So I said, Lord, of course not. You can, you'll never leave me and never forsake me. And I took some comfort in it. And I be, he began to show me, you remember all those years that you prayed for character? Ah, yeah, Lord, actually, I do. And I was like, wow, Lord, thank you. And as the Lord began to, over the next couple months after that, he began to reveal to me a number of things. One, that he realized that, you know, when I was going to this conference in May, I'd had a dream that uh, basically the gist of the dream was I was not comfortable in my own skin around certain people. And I would have never said that was true in my life. I did not see that until I had the dream, and then it was like revelation went off, and I realized, ooh, Lord, you're right. I get around people, and I start trying to be something. I'm, I'm striving. I got anxiety. I'm trying to be something. Why? And I began to think about that verse in Ephesians, that you might know the love of Christ, which surpasses mere knowledge, that I may be filled up to the... You know, the very fullness of God. And it's like, well, Lord, wow. So I started praying. I'm like, Lord, fill me up with your love. Let me know experientially your love. I want more encounters with your love. I want to be so full. Go into every crevice of my soul and fill it up with how you feel about me. Where if I never walk in another prophetic gift in my life, I can sit right down beside this guy and feel totally at peace totally no striving, totally confident in who I am. I am your son and you love me and I am not left out because I am your son. And I began to see that God had allowed this thing to happen where he raised this person up in a place to cause me to have to deal with the fact that that around these people that are walking in this, I still felt like I had to function at another level to be around these people. It was a, another facade that was ripped away from my soul that allowed the love of God to come in and say, and I began to be thankful that he did this, that he didn't let me walk at that level because if I would have had this stuff residing around in my soul, and I start walking in this level of prophetic release, there would be something that somehow allows that gift to validate me. Now, I still am going after the gift. I want it. I pray it all the time, but I'm also now thanking God that it hadn't happened yet. 
that I'm not walking at that level because I wouldn't have saw the junk in my heart that needs to get dealt with. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't pass us over. If something's happening in our life, we can ask the Lord, what are you doing? Because you love me and you're working on me. And there's, some, there's a reason for it. Because you will never leave me. You'll never forsake me. You're faithful and just to complete the work in me that you began when you saved me. That's who you are. But I have to know of my love, that the love that he has for me, that I'm filled up with the very fullness of God because I know how much he loves me. Can y'all hear that? We've got this, this is time to allow that love to so fill our heart, to grow us up, so that when we recognize, and be honest with yourself, when you're recognizing, you know, that kind of anxiety or striving when you get around people, that's natural. It's part of the fall. We all have it. Just be honest with God about it. Say, Lord, I don't like this. Would you fill me up with your love? I'm not seeing your love like I need to. I need more revelation of how you love me. I need to encounter it. I need to experience it. Fill me with the love of God. Fill it up, Lord. When we feel any things like those things, just ask, invite the Holy Spirit to fill us up. Because you know what will happen? When we begin to get full of the love of God, then now we're free. We're free. We're dead men. Dead men walking. We're no longer living for ourselves. We've been filled up with the fullness of God, and now I can minister to everyone around me for my love for them without needing anything from them. And I'm not doing it to be validated like I need this gift so that people think something of me. I'm not doing it for that. I'm doing it because I love this person and and I'm here and God can use this donkey to help somebody. And he wants to help somebody. And there's a big difference. And so, Lord, I'm asking that you would come and fill us up, Lord. If this is speaking to you and you want this, just stand up. Just acknowledge it to the Lord. Stand up. I'm standing. And let's invite that love into our life. Now, I'm going to pray it, but y'all pray it too. Make it personal. God, I want to know your love that surpasses mere knowledge. Lord, I want to know it. That was the prayer of Paul, the apostle. Lord, I want to enter into that prayer. I want to see and hear the voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I want to know your pleasure for me so that I don't look for it in others. God, go into my soul and deal with all the things in there where I'm looking for validation in anything other than your love. I don't want those things in my life, Lord. I don't. I have them there, but I don't want them there. I'm asking and I'm giving you permission to come in and root out those things that feed on illegal bread. I want to feed on the the bread from heaven, your love. Help me to feed on your love and to not eat anything else, Lord. Let me feed on the Father's love. And Lord, I'm praying for my brothers and sisters that they too will experience this. That you would give them a revelation of their love. What would happen if a small group of 
70, 80 people would get so full of the love of God that they don't need man's approval and that they're living only in the delight of the Father. Oh, Lord, we would turn the world upside down. And I'm asking for that kind of love, Lord. Lord, don't let anyone walk out of this building without feeling your love. Holy Spirit, move on the people right now. Let them just baptize them in your love right now. Lord, let your Holy Spirit brood over this place. Let the angels of God come, and Lord, let your Holy Spirit come and just minister to people and let them be baptized in your love, Lord. Let the baptism of love, Lord God, fall on us afresh. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you love me, Lord. We love you because you first love us. Lord, we have to know your love so that we can even love you. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you, if you have felt like God didn't love you and you're being honest with yourself, maybe the, you feel like the Lord's passed you by, just tell him you're sorry for not having better trust in him. Just tell him, and to yourself, not out loud necessarily, just because he will never leave you. He said it. If you're believing that, you're believing a lie. And that's what it says, that we might... We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Lord, I'm sorry for every time I have doubted your love in my life, that I've allowed circumstances or feelings, feelings, my own feelings, to somehow invalidate that sacrifice that you made on the cross where you died for me. And Lord, I'm inviting you into all those areas that are susceptible to that lie. Wash away those areas, Lord, that are susceptible to the lie that you don't love me. And I bind those spirits, those lying demons that try to tell us that now in Jesus' name, get out of our life. We reject you now. We take authority over those lies, taking captive every thought unto the obedience of Christ. We take captive those thoughts right now, and we thank you, Lord, that you love us. Thank you, Lord. And I bind the enemy that takes the word and steals it. And Lord, I ask right now, we know that when the, the, when the word is sown, the birds of the air come to steal the word so that it doesn't find good soil. And Lord, I'm asking right now that you would protect this word and you would let it go deep in our hearts and we would cry out to you for a greater understanding, a greater depth, a greater experience of your love, and we wouldn't let the enemy rob this word from us, Lord. We bind those birds of the air, and we thank you, Lord, for your love being poured out on us right now in the name of Jesus. As Travis was sharing, um, which was you know, just so encouraging of just really experiencing that love, uh, one of the things that... that um, I totally identify what Travis was sharing about, like, sometimes, I mean, comparison is not a good thing, right? Um, but it does say that we should earnestly desire that we would prophesy. Um, but 
what's so cool and amazing is that we have an invitation, rather than just being a messenger boy, right, to be the son of the king of all kings. Yeah? So instead of just being one that, you know, conveys messages, which is a huge, and, and maybe messenger boy isn't the right thing, um, I would say ambassador, right, is, is a huge privilege, um, but we have a bigger privilege to be able to sit before the king of all kings, to be able to know God intimately. And, and so I just, for anybody else that's, you know, struggled with that or compared or whatever, um, that's one of the big things that God has been also just, just speaking to me of, of being able to, when you, when you experience God, like nothing else, nothing else compares. Like being a messenger is, is great, but you're, you're filled, like Travis said, you're filled with God's love and there's nothing better. You're already with the king of all kings. You're starting to experience the taste of heaven. And so um, we have uh, ministry teams today.